0: Welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. My name is Christopher Harris. I'm joined by my co host, Kartik Krishnaya. Last week, uh, Kartik, you and I both had, a, had the opportunity to sit down together uh, uh, to catch up on the podcast. And uh, we discussed and uh, basically laid the groundwork uh, talking about how MLS was saying some pretty deep things, such as building the foundation, building the pyramids. Well, for those listeners who don't know, uh, late on Friday, um, 5 p.m. Eastern time, Major League Soccer made the announcement that they are, in fact, pulling out of the 2024 uh, U.S. Open Cup. And uh, this was as as a result of a decision that was made uh, by a vote by the MLS owners on Wednesday. So they held the news from Wednesday, waited till the end of day Friday, hoping that people, you mean basically most reporters, are off on weekends, and and you mean the, the media cycle on a weekend is pretty quiet. Hoping that they could basically kind of uh, throw this uh, news out there and uh, not get too much uh, negative impact. But what was your your feeling when when you heard the news and saw the press release on Friday?
1: Well, it did take me by surprise because I didn't expect it would be this quick, and it was like, quite frankly, it was like having a family member shot. That's how it felt. Uh, I had mm-hmm. my father passed away earlier this year, so it was. The second worst feeling I've had this year, Um, this cup and um, what it represents is the basis of the game in this country, in my opinion. I'm someone maybe I'm biased. I come with a very colored perspective because I've worked in lower divisions. I've covered lower divisions. I've toiled for those clubs. Uh, I'm someone who's worked on both sides of the desk. However, people may feel about that Uh, may feel that maybe it's a conflict, but I've, 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 I've worked. Uh, at clubs that have put so much of their emphasis on this competition and i've covered this competition from the perspective of covering those clubs and i've actually covered this competition actually for the um official open cup or the 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 main the cup.us the the main uh uh site that covers uh the open cup so uh it, it was devastating um Chris, we speculated about it last week on the podcast. You mentioned that, and we've speculated about it before. Uh, our colleague, Daniel Feuerstein, has gone on ad nauseum uh, to me thinking this would happen and that Garber was positioning himself for it. I've heard from some very prominent people, connected people within the MLS world, that Garber um, and Bob Foos, the uh, Players Union uh, chief, their their comments were not uh, just uh, random comments that it was designed Um to 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 create a pretext to do this still when it actually happened when it actually became official i was stunned and have have felt an emptiness and quite frankly i don't want to offend our listeners i know they love the premier league or bundesliga or serie a or whatever i couldn't focus on football on the pitch this weekend i, I just the, 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 this this to me is the debasement and potential destruction of the game in this country and that's something maybe we'll get into in the next uh next next uh, couple minutes
0: yeah from this weekend I, I was hoping on saturday or sunday that there would be some amazing goal that would just kind of almost be a, th- a, cathart- a cathartic uh, experience or something to cleanse all of the negativity that came out on uh, late friday uh, early saturday and, and really over the weekend still um didn't see any of those amazing goals that kind of like made us kind of think like, oh. You mean this is how soccer should be, or is the, isn't this better than than the actual reality? Um, but yeah, it, it's um, some of the words I was thinking of in terms of describing, and trying to to describe Major League Soccer's decision to pull out of the uh, 2024 U.S. Open Cup. And and let's be frank, I think this is this is a basically forever. I, I don't see them going back to the U.S. Open Cup. It's not just for 2024. I believe it's forever. But some of the words, the, the words I thought of in terms of this decision and the way that they, they did it, the, the ones that came to my mind were cold, childish, selfish, callous, even immoral. Uh, can't get any, any other words uh, to add in terms of um, the way you felt in terms of the way that they made this decision?
1: Yeah, I, I echo all of that stuff. And I would say hypocritical also, because Don Garber and MLS fans, constantly talk about euro snobs right people who are only watching the premier league and not watching the domestic game and uh, i kind of agree with some of that sentiment i know you and i may disagree on that i i don't like uh people who just sit and watch the premier league sit in their living rooms and might have a, a domestic team um whether it be a pro team or an amateur team or a college team or whatever youth team a high level youth team in their neighborhood um but MLS now has proven they don't care about local soccer outside of their markets. They don't care about improving the pyramid unless they control it. And something we're going to get into, I I believe, in this show is that they don't care about a competition unless they control the revenue from it, which is very American sports-like and very different than how there are disputes all the time between La Liga. This is a great example, La Liga and the Spanish affair. I mean, we've chronicled a lot of those on on World Soccer Talk, uh, Chris. You, you and and the other writers have have, have honed in on that. Uh, Kyle, I, I remember wrote a, wrote a piece at one point about mm-hmm. Tabas and some of the things he said in the pushback. Um, do you think La Liga is contemplating pulling out of the Copa del Rey? <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, that, wow. that's like what it's akin to. I mean, I, I, so let's let's just get, let's just call a spade a spade. Um, you know, there is no uh, there is no equivalent. Comparison for this action in the world of football. There is no justification for this action that can be found in the world of football. It is the complete uh, debasement of the sport. Period. I, I don't, I, I, I try and see the other side of arguments. And, and 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 things that happen, I always do. I'm, I'm maybe this is I do this to a fault, which is why even in like my other world, the political world, most Democrats don't trust me because they think I'm too too nice to Republicans or always want to hear the other side. Um, but I, I just can't see it here, right? I mean, can you can you imagine if if Tebas said tomorrow, you know what we like? What MLS did? We're going to pull out of um, we're going to pull out of uh, the Copa del Rey, and we're going to create a cup with the English clubs. Um, um, which is outside the Champions League, because this is effectively what happened with League's Cup, and UEFA is going to approve it. Can you imagine if that happens?
0: Right. Well, it's also, I mean, in terms of if the Premier League pulled out of the FA Cup, um, which wouldn't happen. And, and if it did happen, or if there's even thoughts of it happening, you mean, the fans would revolt. The fans would protest. Same thing with the Super League, right? The Super League would be in its existence right now if it wasn't for the fans and the media. Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher and others who stood up and, and, and started saying like, no, this is wrong. This is the wrong decision. This should not happen. And the fans protested signs, uh, by, by, boycotts, marches, et cetera, until the clubs made, made uh, a reverse decision. And, and we'll find out later this week, too, with the, the Super League in terms of the court case, whether or not uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid will actually... Uh, have a, la- a leg to stand on in terms of whether whether this is going to happen or not i i think in many ways I-, I think i think major league soccer is ahead of the game Kartik, in terms of the things that they're doing so you know i mean yes uh the league's cup and having a, a competition with even you know, the mexican league and and uh, major league soccer and combining that and doing it in the summertime uh is is very aggressive it's very transformative i could see in the future, perhaps, some of the European leagues, if they had space in the calendar, figuring out a way to do that. MLS pulling out of the U.S. Open Cup could be a sign that in the future, you, you mentioned I mean, the, 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 the Spanish clubs pulling out of uh, Copa del Rey. It would never happen. But maybe this sets the stage. Maybe it gets them thinking about, hey, maybe we should think about doing this too. Um, however, still, I think the fans would protest. I think the fans would stop this from happening and the clubs would realize that the fans would basically, I mean, really, really push the envelope in terms of making sure this doesn't happen. We're in a situation on the other side in the United States where, yes, fans are saying that they're going to cancel the subscriptions to uh, MLS Season Pass. Some fans are saying that they will go ahead and do some signs or TIFOs or something against this. Some fans are saying that they will boycott league's cup. However, I don't think Major League Soccer cares about the fans at all. And and this is my question to you Kartik. What what do you think is the number one reason why the owners of MLS decided to quit the US Open Cup, a competition that was founded in 1914?
1: So, uh first off, I'm not sure I agree with your premise that 90 to 95% of the fans disagree with this that, that those are the fans on Twitter uh, they're especially vocal wow. and Reddit's. but when I but when I've surveyed uh, people who, who are just casual MLS fans they're not where we are on this okay and I've talked to a few of them the last uh, 48 hours I wish I could report differently and I already kind of see the train leaving the station where MLS There was such shock for the first 24 to 36 hours. Everybody kind of piled on. Now you're seeing some of the people say, well, but really, this is good for MLS's business or this is, uh, uh, you know, League's Cup is a more meaningful competition. It's laughable. Um, So why did MLS do this? Uh, First off, uh, let's. This is where I have a problem with the Premier League and and a lot of the reform advocates in in the U.S. constantly citing the Premier League as their example of what they want to emulate or or the English system. The Premier League was created in order to to begin starving the rest of the Football League of of funds and in order to hoard the money at the top. MLS has consistently um, done this right through the years. And now when finally Soccer United marketing um, marketing deal with, with, with U.S. soccer was, was, was canceled or not renewed um, at the end of the 2022 uh, World Cup. Uh, so starting just 12 months ago, right, uh, uh, U.S. soccer brought their own commercial rights back into back in house, which is why U.S. national team games on both the men's and women's side are on Turner Sports now and not on um, not well not on Apple's. Right. That's where they would be. Um, but um, there has now been an effort, I think, by MLS to say, OK, we're not going to help fund grassroots soccer. We're not going to fund anything. Uh, or, or or, even uh, lend our brand or our branding to anything that we don't control monetarily. And we're having this conversation on a day where uh, I want to give Dan Creel from Protagonist credit. He's reported it. I knew it. I chose not to report it, um, uh, that uh, we have an, a USL team that's folding, a USL championship team, which was pre- previously a reserve team that then... Uh, when this whole uh, breakup between MLS and USL happened, uh, became an independent club, got independent ownership, that club, Rio Grande Valley, uh, is going to fold and not play in MLS, uh, not play in USL, the USL championship, the second division next year. This is what happens when MLS hoards the money, creates their own second division or third division, whatever it's designated as, designated as a third division, and chooses not to kind of spread the wealth and invest in the rest of the game, the grassroots of the game. So, One other point, Chris. Um, I know it's very easy to beat up on the U.S. Soccer Federation. We've done it a lot on this podcast. We do it a lot on the World Soccer Talk site. Um, I have seen some really positive signs out of the Federation in the last 12 months in terms of the board being different, in terms of a lot of the staff being new and different, in terms of the way they viewed this tournament as their main competition, their national championship. Um, after the rights were brought back from MLS and Soccer United Marketing. They were beginning to ramp up marketing. They were beginning to ramp up a visibility for the competition. At that very moment, MLS pulled the rug out from under the competition. That is not a coincidence, okay? Because what's going to happen is uh, U.S. soccer was going to be able to increase their commercial revenues based on the way the Open Cup was going to be marketed and based on the visibility they were beginning to promote the Open Cup with and that was going to be money going to US soccer and not to MLS. And for those who say, "Oh, well, US soccer's had 30 years or whatever whatever they say." I've seen this is a talking point that's begun circulating in the last 24 hours from MLS defenders. No, MLS was the one marketing this competition. They were the ones who deliberately made the competition invisible on American television and in American media and had reporters not paying attention and had uh, uh, it just basically like this kind of throwaway competition. Now that U.S. soccer wants to elevate the competition, make it kind of like you keep mentioning the FA Cup, kind of like the FA Cup in terms of its visibility and importance Suddenly, MLS says it, it, it's a garbage competition. You know, the venues aren't right. You know, all these excuses they've made. So there, there, there is a clear motivation. This is not a coincidence that it's happened at this very moment. That's my take on it.
0: Yeah. So for me, like the number one reason why they're uh, deciding to quit at this moment is, is really... I mean, it comes down to money, but it, which is a pretty simple answer. But the the more um, complicated answer, well, it's not that complicated, but basically MLS is looking at the next five years and thinking, okay, this is our best chance probably ever to bring in as much money as possible. So from, you mean, promoting... You know, talking about the copa america in 2024 the build up to that all the hype that goes into that and having the world's best player uh i mean the the world cup uh captain win- winner even on on their sides in their league you mean here's an opportunity to basically continue to cash in on messi that's 2024 2025 is the fifa club world cup you've got uh, uh a uh mls you know, seattle sounders c- competing in that the world cup in 2026 Potentially the uh, Women's World Cup in 2027 hosted in the U.S. and Mexico. And then finally with the uh, Summer Olympics in the 2028. So Major League Soccer is looking at this and thinking, okay, hey, we've got only two years left of um, Leo Messi, right? So you had a two and a half half year deal. Uh, You've got 2024 and 2025. So how can we generate as much money as possible for all of the clubs, uh, all of the owners, really? In Major League Soccer, um, which you mean, and also Soccer United marketing, and I think that I think U.S. Open Cup gets in the way. They they don't they don't own the rights to it. Uh, They will make very little money from it. From so from a cold, calculated, callous, from a selfish, childish, immoral point of view, those are some of the words that we described. They're looking at this purely as business and looking at this thinking, hey. In order to basically maximize the amount of money that we can, we can generate, we don't want to have Inter Miami playing in a U.S. Open Cup game. Leo Messi, you uh, mean being involved in a game that's not not televised or not not uh, streamed live on Apple. And I think that's part of it too. This is the angle that I'm looking at more so, is that the Apple angle and Apple wanting to own every single piece of Messi. If you if you want to watch Messi. It's it's Apple. That's where you go to watch these games. So if you have U.S. Open Cup games like like last season and you don't know if some games will, will be on Bleacher Report, some games might be on CBS Golasso Network, some games might be on CBS or YouTube or whoever. whoever um, U.S. soccer really kind of really uh, made a mistake in terms of their broadcast um, coverage, in terms of having a, a big partner kind of scrambling in the last minutes um, behind the eight ball made a mess of it. But I, I think at the end of the day, the Apple angle is really has a lot of power, has a lot of weight. And and, and I'm sure Apple's probably had conversations with them less saying like, Hey, like why are we even been competing in this competition? Like why do we have into Miami and these other teams playing in a competition that sometimes we might lose to these teams in USL, right? It's embarrassing. Why aren't we going for, for the, you mean, these big games and, and building it up into these big stories. What do you think, Karthik? Is the Apple uh, angle or the Soccer United Marketing angle uh, important with this?
1: Yeah, the Soccer United Marketing angle is it. I mean, that, that's I, I, I've already outlined that, right? I mean, there's no question to me that uh, uh, they... Uh, and and, 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 and let's, let, let's get this right, too. Not only uh, did SUM lose the, the rights to this competition, uh, but... And U.S. soccer now, as I said in the last 12 months, has really intensified their marketing of it. They deliberately starved. And, and I've outlined at Beyond the 90 this whole thing about MLS deliberately starving the entire soccer pyramid on the men's side uh, over the course of the last 20 years. This has been part of it, right? Money has gone into Soccer United marketing from U.S. soccer. Proceeds from the Open Cup, proceeds from the women's and men's national teams. It has been the basis of or, or part of the basis of several lawsuits related to U.S. soccer. And then that money has just been sitting and M- uh, been given back, reallocated to MLS owners. So th- that that is what happened when SUM marketed the tournament. Now SUM goes off and makes their own TV deal with with, with Apple. And you've correctly said that, that I think the Apple element is a big part of this. Apple wants everything in the MLS ecosystem to be on their, uh, in their purview. Uh, don't think that this is to reduce fixture congestion. There are now six open dates on the MLS calendar for this year, which will be filled with things on Apple. Uh, whether it's an MLS in-season tournament, whether it's more MLS regular season games, whether it's uh, um, uh, a longer Leagues Cup, uh, whether it's friendlies that Apple has the rights to, whatever it is, don't think that they're suddenly going to be six w- midweeks off. Uh, in, in the calendar, right? This is for Apple. Yeah. Apple will get more content out of this. So um, that's what ha- what's happened. You said uh, Garber uh, had mentioned that, oh, well, you we'll, we don't know where the games will be on. Well, um, sure. Okay. We didn't know where the games would be on when they were marketing the tournament. We, they 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 put the t- games on uh, Fox Soccer Channel. Then it went to Gold TV. Then it went to Fox. Uh, then it went to uh, ESPN and ESPN Plus. And um, the reality is CBS gave more emphasis and visibility to this tournament last mm-hmm. year than we've ever seen from a broadcast partner. So kudos to CBS Sports and, and, and our friends there, Pete Radovich and the others, uh, and, uh, and, and to U.S. Soccer. And that was going to be something that was going to continue to pay off in the future and increase commercial revenues. So understand what this means. If you're just a a lay soccer fan in the U.S., this means that commercial revenues that would have gone into our federation that potentially would help the national teams, that potentially would help grassroots soccer, that potentially would help lower divisions, help smaller markets. Uh, help inner city programs now are not going to uh, are not going to come. And that money is going to just be uh, in the uh, coffers of MLS owners because they pulled out of this uh, competition. And and in in some and, and uh, the money will the revenue will be generated by League's Cup or whatever. Think about that for a minute. That's what's going on. So this goes back to your point, Chris. It is immoral. Yes, it's been motivated by Apple and some, but it is a um, immoral, unethical decision. And I do fear. Uh, look, we say, well, Uh, La Liga would never pull out of Copa del Rey. The Premier League would never pull out of the FA Cup. But now that a precedent has been set in a very prominent Western country, I fear for the game long term. This may have international consequences. This might be a situation where we know how selfish the Premier League is. I've outlined that. I outlined that it feels like every week when I'm on TalkSport talking about the football league. I, I just have this bad feeling that this sets the precedence for them. This sets the precedence for uh, the teams that are angry in, in Serie A about uh, the TV deal and stuff to say, ah, you know what, we, we, we don't really need to play in Copa Italia. Th- that stuff might happen 10 years down the road because of this.
0: Yeah, I still think that the fans are the difference, though, Kartik. Because if if it did, uh, if it looked like it was going to happen in Europe, uh, you would have the fans revolt, right? In the Bundesliga, that's true. The, that's true. The, yeah. The, here, here, yes, you have. I mean, you have what independent supporters groups saying that uh, we urge MLS to, to to change their decision, or you I mean you will see, you I mean, but but oftentimes you will see some some banners or signs in the stadium, but oftentimes a lot of them will be confiscated before they even get into there uh these are fans that are i mean season ticket holders or will buy in tickets to get in the stadium you mean they're giving money to major league soccer uh and then holding up a sign well at that point it's too late i mean you need almost all the fans to protest um on march in march and, and really really hit them where it hurts which is which is their bottom dollar really but um yeah it's um yeah this is really a sad situation that we're in really because um you mean, when I think of the FA Cup, which the third round will be here in just what, a couple of weeks from now, you mean, to me, it's one of the most enjoyable weekends of the year because you do have those David versus Goliath games. You do have those you mean, small clubs, you know, small grounds and seeing the passion of the fans. And, and the same thing with the US Open Cup, too. I mean, to me, some of the most exciting US Open Cups uh, games have been the games where it's been really competitive between. USL club and the major league soccer club and, and it's kind of neck and neck and it's uh surprise results you get to see some of the other stadiums that you don't get to see that often on on television or, or you mean you're watching all the big games and you get to watch some of these smaller clubs and, and learn about the history of the sport and um unfortunately i mean we shouldn't be surprised but major league soccer is 100% focused on making money. And, and I, really, I don't think they do care about the fans at all. Um, they say they do, but I don't think they do. I mean, even just this past week, um, I ran a story at uh, worldsoccertalk.com that, where Don Garber uh, admitted publicly. He said that uh, he, he explained how he got the job as MLS commissioner uh, back in 1999, I, I believe it was. And he was asked by, at, at an NFL meeting, he was asked by NFL owner Robert Kraft, uh, Don, what do you think about soccer? And Don Garber said, quote, uh, he hated it. Uh, and Robert Kraft said, okay, you'd be a great commissioner. And, and to me, what does that tell you about, You mean, first of all, NFL picking the MLS commissioner because it was the NFL owners at the time. Uh, they were still very, very... Um, pervasive throughout uh, major league soccer in terms of the the control that they have but here's a guy saying i hate soccer and, and and them saying like oh you'd be a great commissioner then so i wonder i mean do you have even even within u.s soccer kartik and you, and you would know more better about this than i do but even within major league soccer what's to say that don garber still doesn't hate soccer what, what maybe he's just still 100 percent focused on the business side of things within U.S. soccer. How many people do you have that actually are soccer people that are making the decisions for the benefit of the sport in this country?
1: Yeah, very few. And, and actually, on your FA Cup point, FA Cup, uh, Cup third round point, my uh, my friend and, and our former colleague here at World Soccer Talk, Jonathan Starling, has told me his two favorite days on the soccer calendar are the third round of the FA Cup. Uh, that weekend. And then the Tuesday and Wednesday, which represent the second round of the U S open cup, which is when not the MLS teams come in, but the USL and, and now NISA used to be NASL teams came in and they uh, have the to field is still amateur teams and you have all these giant killings and you get to see these, these small grounds. So, um, I guess that, that day will still occur, but then who they play next will be different. Right. Uh, in terms of the open cup, uh, going forward, but, um, you know, I I, I, I think uh, how many people are soccer people? OK, so uh, this is a this is a very good question, because what I think has happened in the last 12 months or 18 months again at U.S. soccer is U.S. soccer now has more soccer people and people who were raised with the game when the game was um, successful in this country at the Federation. Previously you had a lot of the same type of people at the Federation, Chris, people who, uh, um, came from a background in other sports or came from a background in yeah soccer is kind of small we have to grow the game we have to be very careful because it's uh uh it, 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 it it's not that popular in this country so now you see a disconnect between u.s soccer and mls because of that mls is still dominated by and large by people whose uh, primary investment primary interest is in other sports or in other businesses but if they're in other businesses, that's fine. You need you need capital. And you need investment capital. But if it's yeah. people whose other businesses are uh, NFL teams or NBA teams, that's a problem for me. And I think what you have in the MLS boardroom is more and more people who are connected to the NFL. Um, this. This has been a, a, a trope that has been used against MLS for years. And let me just clarify something for the listeners here. I am not someone who used to subscribe to this. I used to push back. When Rude Hulet uh, said, well, uh, MLS is a conspiracy by NFL owners to keep soccer small in the U.S., I was one of the people who pushed back. When the uh, people who advocate for promotion and relegation have said in the past, Uh, NFL controls MLS, I pushed back and said, look, there are not that many MLS owners. Everybody's building soccer-specific stadiums. Um, They're moving away from that. Now, in fact, they're moving back towards that because we've had Atlanta coming to uh, the league with Arthur Blank uh, and sharing a stadium with an NFL team. Seattle has never been Forced to do anything but share a stadium with an NFL team. New England has never built a soccer-specific stadium. Charlotte is now in the league using an NFL stadium, right? So now you've got at with the NFL owners. So you've got more NFL owners than ever around the table, okay? And I think you have more of then an NFL and football mindset going on in this uh, in the in 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 this league, which is um, uh, very um, kind of different. Then honestly, what's happening in the American sports leagues outside of the NFL. You see the NBA, Adam Silver is looking, Adam Silver creating an in-season tournament for the NBA was because he was watching uh, European football, right? I I think, uh, I, think I read it with Spanish football in particular. He'd seen Copa del Rey. He like you know he wants to do that in the NBA type of thing. So um, at a time when other American sporting leagues are sit- incorporating European concepts and European football concepts into their leagues, the uh, MLS is now becoming even more hitched to the whole NFL vision and NFL owners.
0: Yeah, I think in many ways, I mean, I, I mean, really, not, actually, in many, many ways, um, MLS wants basically the, the type of league it wants in the United States is is just like the NFL, right? The NFL has no competition. It's not like you have the NFL and then you have some second or, or third tier That's a competing league that's also trying to get in on the business. I mean, they've tried with even the XFL and these other things, but within basically, what, six months, they're out of business. NFL is the American Football League in the United States uh, on the professional side. Major League Soccer wants to be the American uh, Professional Soccer League in the United States, and that's it. So when they see USL and they see US Open Cup kind of embracing all these different teams from around the country, to them that's the opposite of what they want. They don't want any of that. They don't want to be involved in that. They want to see themselves as the uh dominant and and only uh major soccer league in, in the country. Um hence uh, major league soccer and hence the name itself. The reality is, right? You and I and listeners uh in the United States most of the soccer we're consuming is from overseas because we want to watch the best of the best. You mean, you mean the players uh, from wherever they are in the world, right? Our favorite teams, or our favorite um, cups or cup competitions, wherever they may may be. But Major League Soccer in this country is trying to get as much of that pie as possible that they can control. And U.S. Open Cup is something that's completely something they can't control now. Um, you mean? Cardiff has has um, Soccer United Marketing um, tried to. Own the U.S. Open Cup and, and try to take it over. Well, no, I mean they did. They they owned it for the last twenty
1: years. Which was the point well, I made earlier? Well,
0: not f- not from a commercial rights point of view, but in terms of like just own- owning that. cup. Well, well, but
1: you can't you can't own the property. I mean, the property is 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 a, is is uh, a national cup, which is part of uh, which is the way it's governed. I mean, this would be a great question because if that happened, the Premier League could try and buy the FA Cup, right? You know, we've seen. Uh, at times speculation about that. Could the Premier League buy the FA Cup and take over its administration because they're so concerned about that third round uh, being at a time when, uh, you know, no one forces the Premier League, by the way, to play uh, five games in seven days or whatever it is over over the festive period. No one forces that. Um, so – uh, I, I actually I, I don't want to make this just about MLS because I am concerned that in England in particular you have a, a top flight league that that uh, is constantly complaining about the FA Cup replays are going away have gone away in some rounds because of the Premier League again uh, which is a way of depriving money down the pyramid um, have they ever tried to own it I, I don't I I don't think U.S. Soccer has been in the business of trying to sell it now that might be what comes from this though you might you might be onto something maybe MLS is quietly going to uh, to JT Baston today and saying, OK, we'll enter the cup again if you sell us uh, ownership of the, of the competition and we'll share some of the proceeds with you. You know, we'll we'll set up a scholarship fund or something for grassroots uh, soccer and to uh, help lower division teams and, and uh, with their travel and stuff like that. Which, by the way, you know, I, I, I have to say there has been a lot about this cup. That has been very difficult financially when I've worked at the lower division levels. There's been some times where I've thrown up my hands and other people I work with, Chris, have thrown up our hands and said, you know what? We're losing $100,000 on all these road trips uh, in the open cup. Maybe we should lose in the next round so that we don't have to uh, so that we don't have to uh, pay another $50,000 for travel and and, and everything. But that never happens because uh, when it comes down to it, yes, uh, soccer is a business yes soccer is an entertainment based business But it is most importantly a sporting competition based Mm -hmm. on sporting merit or supposed to be based on sporting merit. So even though, you know, there have been snickers, when I've sat with accountants at at multiple clubs and said, gosh, you know, I I think about the run we had in Fort Lauderdale a few years ago. We we, we, uh, had to go to D.C. United. We had to go to Orlando. We then had to go to Chicago in the Open Cup. All midweek, all kind of exacerbating our travel schedule, all on kind of a thin squad when we had NASL games at the weekend. But there was, you know, we would say it kind of in jest, ah, you know, it would be better if we just lost. But no one ever wanted to lose. And no one ever said, you know what, let's disrespect the cup. Let's throw out a reserve team and let's uh, withdraw from the cup next year. No one has ever said that until now.
0: I think uh, I think going back to the Apple thing for a minute, too, I think in terms of Apple looking at the U.S. Open Cup, and probably I wouldn't be surprised if if this was Eddie Q's first time watching or knowing about the existence of the U.S. Open Cup uh, last year. Uh, watching these games is that, um, in some ways, Apple has poisoned major league soccer into major league soccer, thinking that their box office, thinking that they're much bigger than what they are thinking that, you mean basically kind of being associated with Apple, which is a major, major brand. I mean, one of the biggest brands, uh, in in the world, one of the richest brands in the world. So major league soccer pr- pretty much kind of feeling like, Hey, like, Hey, we've got a good thing going here. We've partnered with, um, uh, if not the biggest brand in the world, one of the biggest brands in the world, and we need to be kind of at that level. We do not need to sink ourselves lower into playing against these these small teams with uh, small fan bases, with you mean pitchers arguably that are not as as top quality, and, and so on and so forth, right? So I think some of some of that is kind of in the back the back of the mind of Major League Soccer. They want to be NFL. You imagine NFL teams playing in a cup competition against um, some minor league teams from local communities. You know, I mean, it would be fascinating to watch. But in Apple's minds, you mean that's that's kind of uh, you mean too small. It's it's not big picture. It's not major. It's not major league soccer. So I think that's part of it. The question I have for you, Kartik, is: Can U.S. Open Cup survive without major league soccer? you have an Airbnb. Your home
1: might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com
0: slash host.
1: That's a a loaded question, right? Because I think um, the initial expectation is yes, but commercially, I think it just survives, right? Which is all it's been doing to this point because some had neglected it and, and there weren't the kind of commercial partnerships. Look, um, uh, maybe I, 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 I don't want to share too deep background off the record information, but I, I think uh, my source at US Soccer would not be upset if I said today uh, what, what I'm about to say, which is that they, they uh, made the commercial revenues uh, from the competition in 2023. And I, I grant some of that was messy and, and Inter Miami uh, making the final. So, that's that's in fairness, but the commercial revenue was basically double what it had been um, each year. You know, most years under some. So um, they were ramping things up, and I think they had they had a vision for how they could make this a really commercial viable stand commercially viable standalone tournament, like the FA Cup, like uh, the uh, DFB Pokal, and all all the tournaments we talked about, all the cup competitions we talked about in other parts of the world. Now I think it's just going to go go back to being kind of. Surviving, yes, it will survive, but it won't be this commercial behemoth it might have been. And in fact, there was a lot of talk at U.S. Soccer about marrying um, American soccer fans' love of the FA Cup with American sports fans' love of March Madness and the and and the Cinderella stories and the underdog stories there and and the 16 seed beating the one seed. Um, and I think they were putting together a commercial program that would have appealed to both um soccer fans who say you know this is our version of the of the fa cup or or the polka or copa del rey um and then to mainstream sports fans who were like, this is so cool. You don't have an open competition like this in any other sport in the United States, any other professional sport. You have to go to college sports to see it. This is an open competition where an amateur club um, uh, from Omaha can beat a professional club from Boston, right? And they get to play each other. And the professional team from Boston might have to play at the amateur club. Uh, let's you know Now they're regionalizing things. So the professional club from Boston may have to go to an amateur club in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, and they may get beat. That is so cool. And that's something they were just beginning to ramp up the marketing for. Um, And that's something that brings new fans into the sport. So what MLS is also doing and Apple is also doing is they're uh, cutting the head off, right? They're trying to say, okay, if there's going to be a soccer fan, a new soccer fan uh, domestically in the United States, we're going to make them go through the gateway, which is MLS season pass on Apple and MLS and our competitions, including Leagues Cup. We don't want them to go through the gateway of discovering a local amateur team because they're hosting an MLS team or, or even a USL team in, in a local game, and then their money going there and their interest going there. So it's a very deliberate attempt um, to hurt the competition. And can the competition survive? Yes. Will it thrive the way it would have? No. And again, I have to stress this. There are people who come back and say, oh, well, there's been 20 years, 30 years, it hasn't caught on. There is a new regime at U.S. Soccer. They finally got the commercial rights back 12 months ago, and they had big, big plans for this competition. And uh, those plans now um, almost certainly have to be aborted.
0: So as a follow-up question to this, um, does the actions of Major League Soccer pulling out of 2024 U.S. Open Cup, presumably pulling out forever, really, unless things change, does this negatively impact Major League Soccer in any way in 2024? (sighs) <sighs> probably not.
1: I, I mean, I, I, I hate to be so pessimistic. I think there are fans that are angry. I do. Th- okay. I do think it is going to do one thing, which ironically enough goes back to our kind of the entire theme. I do think it's going to hurt MLS season pass in terms of some of the core fans that are just soccer fans in the country that may not be season ticket holders for an MLS club or may not be that tied to the league that might just not, subscribe now. And given how low we think the subscriber numbers probably are the paid Mm -hmm. subscriber numbers that could have an impact. Will it have an impact on the way the U S soccer media, uh, uh, promotes MLS and talks about how it's the greatest league and it's on par with La Liga. Saw some of that last week. Uh, 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 No, it won't change that. And it won't change the attitude, the core elite attitude of the, uh, uh, of the uh, MLS fan, that the only thing that matters is, uh, is MLS and the competition in MLS and screw the rest of the pyramid, screw soccer and the rest of the country. But you're a snob and you're against uh, us if you're watching the premier league and not watching MLS. So it's, you know, this hypocritical take, it won't change that. Um, I don't think, it, I don't think there's enough self-awareness among a lot of people associated with MLS to, 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 to be contrite about this either. So the bottom line is it probably won't hurt them except in the Apple, um, subscriber area. The one thing I do want to watch, uh, Chris, and, and the one thing I, I know is going to go on is there's going to be pressure on MLS sponsors, um, from fans of the open cup. Um, I don't, I, 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 I'm, Hopeful that that will be uh, uh, successful, but I'm not. I, I'm not holding my breath, uh, so to speak. I, I don't necessarily think it will um, force MLS to change their behavior.
0: Yeah, honestly, I think in some ways, in many ways, actually, Major League Soccer doesn't see their um, target demographic as being hardcore soccer fans. I think they're, they're looking at uh, the United States and saying, you know what? Let's go after." You mean know, basically, kind of mainstream sports fans. That's who we want to appeal to: those that have a deeper pockets and that might be able to, yeah, sign up for MLS season pass or sign up for Apple TV uh, Plus, etc., and then add it add it on, and let's go after them because that's really kind of the uh, the audience that they want to win over, and I, a lot of that too is is using Messi is using Messi and, and using Argentina, right? Saying like, ah, oh, you mean have got the best player in the world, World Cup winner, Argentina, isn't it amazing? Copa America, we're so excited. This is gonna be this is gonna be Rocket fuel. And and really what they're saying is this hey, you may sign up for MLS season pass, you can watch uh, Messi week in, week out. So a lot of this is Apple, a lot of this is Messi, um Unfortunately, it's. I mean, it's really for the hardcore soccer fans. Um, it's bad news for us. Last question, Karthik, before we go into listener in mailbag is: Is there anything that soccer fans can do to to change this? I mean, what what can U.S. soccer fans or listeners listening to this thinking like, hey, this this is not right. It, it needs to change. What can we do?
1: Um, I would again pressure MLS sponsors. I would raise a ruckus uh, on uh, on social media. I would. Uh, very very uh, deliberately kind of uh, target MLS clubs and uh, and put pressure on MLS executives uh, but uh, again I think these things are, are are often lost I mean MLS is not listening to to the fans and um, one of the things though that might, uh, have an effect is you just said MLS is now no longer targeting the hardcore soccer fan. They're now targeting the American sports fan. Well, as I just said, part of U.S. soccer's new marketing strategy around the Open Cup is going to be around March Madness and um, that American sporting phenomena. And I, I think in in an era where there are so many people who are jaded about close competitions here in Florida, there are people who are uh, very angry about um, college football and. Uh, Um, In fact, there are people here in Florida who have compared um, college football now to U.S. soccer or American soccer. I don't want to call it U.S. soccer because uh, the USSF isn't to blame. American soccer after uh, Friday, after uh, MLS made this announcement, um, that you can win those people to the sport of soccer if you are... Um, in this competition. If you're promoting this competition, this competition is something unique. This competition is something special. It can, it is one of the few things that can marry American sports fans uh, who just think it's really cool. And it's, it's unlike anything else we have in our sporting landscape, professional sporting landscape to um soccer fans. So yeah. it's actually a huge uh, opportunity for MLS if they thought about it strategically. But again, The point being, Chris, they don't control the commercial rights and their television partner, which is now leading them around. uh, Let's 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 face it. I mean, so many of MLS's decisions now are are primarily uh, dictated by um, Apple, whether Apple is requesting things or whether they just feel like they have to please Apple. uh, Either way, it's Apple's influence Um, because of Apple and because of uh, them not having the rights at some anymore. They're not thinking bigger picture.
0: The funny thing is, Kartik, is that you, you mentioned the March Madness angle about U.S. Open Cup. March Madness was the angle that Major League Soccer used for Leagues Cup repeatedly. They, they were like, <laughs> this is going to be amazing. This is going to be just like who March are the Madness. Cinder-
1: who are the Cinderellas though? Like it's all got teams from first divisions. Like, right, I right, mean, right. Where, where, Where's the giant killing in Leagues Cup? I, I mean, how is that even close to March Madness?
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to Lister Mailbag. We've got a bunch of really good. Uh, Uh, feedback this week, as always, but this week in particular. Uh, Gospert says, I just don't get it. How does Major League Soccer continually manage to make decisions which seemingly create no long-term benefit to the sustainable growth of soccer in the USA? Surely, if you make the soccer pie more valuable, all stakeholders benefit. Great coverage, as always, guys. Dave says, I often wonder with people in the the Garber uh, archetype, does he actually believe all that he says? Or does he, uh, does he know some of it is laughable nonsense and says it anyways? What do you think, Artic?
1: Oh, boy, that's a really good question. Because, I mean, some of it is really laughable, but maybe it's designed for, for investors and not for us, right? Maybe that's, that's what's going on. Uh, I, 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 think... I, I don't know. It's, it, a lot of it is so laughable, though.
0: I honestly think it's uh, it's calculated everything he says word for word is is scripted either scripted in terms of word or, or memorized in terms of everything he says um, is for a reason. And, and that's why we picked up why we picked up on last week's podcast on him talking on the MLS Cup final and then the state of the media, the state of the league address, talking about building the pyramids, building the foundation uh no one else picked up on it except for us and, and what he meant was basically controlling the system from bottom from top to bottom and bottom to top in terms of academies in terms of uh, lower league soccer in terms of the actual pyramid itself it's not a pyramid because there's no promotion or relegation but that's what he's saying so yes some of the stuff that garba says is laughable but it is uh it's calculated it's it's not he's just saying it just to get a laugh He's getting it for a reason. He's he's saying those things because he knows that um, some of it is coded. But he he knows that him saying those things, a lot of media will go ahead and, and pick up on that and, and report it as is, as if it's the the the, uh, the gospel truth. Mike says, uh, "Great show as always. Soccer is more relevant and stable in this country than it has ever been in my lifetime. The USL deserves some credit for this. They have multiple divisions with hundreds of teams." Several championship teams break even or, or are profitable. Many have great stadiums and training facilities. The players signed a collective uh, bargaining agreement, which includes decent pay and benefits. The league signed a TV deal. My point is that soccer is healthy beyond Major League Soccer. The USL is in a relatively good shape. The growth should be talked about more often. A great example in the USL expansion team is Spokane, uh, Washington. Uh, the team will be playing in a great facility in their downtown area. They have an amazing uh, ownership group. The team has sold out of season tickets and has a waiting list. Karthik, uh USL, profitable for some teams and, and doing well. There are some good stories to tell, right?
1: There are some very good stories to tell. There are also some bad stories to tell. Uh, and uh, there's also some serious concerns I have about long-term economic viability of the league with MLS coming after them. Uh, I think we'll know more about MLS next Pros plans in the next six months or so. Uh, but Spokane is going to be a great uh, story. They've got a team that's going to play on both the men's side in USL League One and on the women's side in the USL Super League. Uh, they are... Um, a market. See, these are the sorts of things that really matter to me um, and that MLS fans don't care about is developing soccer in places like Spokane, Omaha, Tucson, Arizona, Des Moines, uh, Jacksonville, where you are now. Places that uh, are not big enough to have an MLS team. Places that um, have de- that, that you need to develop the sport if you're going to actually have a healthy national um Uh, national sort of uh, following for the game and places you need to develop the sport if you're actually going to develop players and have a national team program on both the men's and women's sides that are competitive in an ever-changing world. So yes, great stories around USL with Spokane and others. I have other concerns about the league, uh, but on the whole, there's a lot of positive stuff going on. Uh,
0: Dan says, I've been a casual fan uh, off and on for a long time. What's changed and is driving far more interest uh, for me is the quality in the U.S. game. It's enjoyable to watch, even though my U.S. pro soccer is tied up in the lower divisions, uh, go Birmingham Legion. The quality is better in these leagues than MLS was 15-plus years ago. Soccer in the U.S. is getting much better. We're a long, long way from where we all all want it to be. The best U.S. players aren't really stars, but objectively, the top U.S. players are more plentiful and better than they've been. Uh, But a U.S. soccer player is about... About the the same level as a European basketball player from about ten to fifteen years ago, a few would break into the, the nBA but they weren't the biggest stars that's what we really need some breakout superstars. Our domestic league, leagues are likely to to be comparable to European pro basketball leagues for some years to come let's face it it's a college basketball player oh if, if a college basketball player plays pro overseas they're not a top player, nor are any um Nor are the players that are coming here from there to play soccer, which is okay. The sport needs to continue growing, building local fan bases and creating profitable clubs. It gets better and better. Nick says, I agree with your analysis on the popularity of soccer, uh, and different leagues in the U S the question I have for you is why should I care? Not in the sense that I don't want to hear you discuss it on the podcast. I find it interesting, which is why I listen to the podcast, but I don't know why any of the U.S. soccer fans should worry about the popularity of the sport or our favorite league. It doesn't impact any of our, of our lives or our ability to follow the sport. At most, you can argue that if your favorite league is more popular, you will attract better players. I'm not convinced by this. So as every non-Premier League fan I know already ex- accepts their league status. And at this point, the hierarchy seems to be set in stone. Stadiums are full in Portugal and the Netherlands, even though those leagues have uh, taken massive hits from their heydays. As they say, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah, that's interesting, Karthik. Right, in terms of, um, you mean there will always be a soccer fan base, and and I think that's part of it in the US too, where you mean it's sometimes we hear about that fear or uncertainty or doubt, where journalists you mean talk about major league soccer growing the game and we can't uh have any of these billionaires losing uh a team or going out of business because you mean the sport's not going to thrive in this country and we're going to go back to the nasl days in the 1970s or early 1980s um and i think that's on purpose right to kind of think that uh to, to scare people into thinking that mls has to survive we have to figure out a way to keep keep it uh, thriving because uh, if not then the whole thing is going to be a deck of cards that will just come crashing in.
1: Yeah, that, that's a common fear tactic from MLS that they've used through the years, uh, that uh, the game will just go away and it'll be over with in this country if uh, if you don't support MLS completely. So I, I agree with that. Uh, the one thing I would say about the popularity of leagues, though, is I do think um, as streaming services, as streaming moves into another uh, another era where maybe um, they're not uh, acquiring things just to fill their libraries with content. If a league is not popular in the United States, they may not find a mainstream streaming home. So that's something I would be uh, a little bit concerned about in, in terms of just the popularity of leagues. That That's the one uh, one little uh, caveat yeah. I put on the comment. But otherwise, I, I completely agree.
0: And we've seen that too. So to a certain extent, where I think the Swedish league is no longer available through streaming. Uh, there's a couple of other leagues too that used to be available on streaming. Well, Chinese Super League is one. You I mean where it's? I don't think there's any legal ways to actually watch those leagues in the US. So yeah, yeah, yeah. For for those small, small niche leagues, um, it can be an issue where you, you can't watch those leagues. But there's always a way. Uh, Paul says, uh, great episode, guys. I'm afraid Major League Soccer has already won the soccer wars. USL is still trying, but they are fighting a m- massive uphill battle. MLS will c- control club soccer in less than ten years. Possibly, possibly that that quite, that might. Uh, uh, I that think might, it's yeah. I might think I uh, think it, there's
1: a good chance it happens. Unfortunately.
0: Well, th- let's talk about that, Carter, because we haven't mentioned that yet—not um, in too much detail, but just enough to let l- listeners know. U.S. soccer has, I mean, as of the time that we're recording this, hasn't made a decision about what they're going to do about what with MLS saying what they've said saying that they're going to they're quitting uh the open cup uh there's the possibility uh, based on the pro league standards that US soccer has set up where a requirement of D1 uh, to be sanctioned a D1 league is that you have to participate in the US open cup um, what to about be that any league.
1: to be any league right so it's part of right. the pro league standards so the so the D3 the the uh, MLS next pro independent clubs next year will be Chattanooga, uh, Carolina and uh, uh, sort of Huntsville. though um, they have to they have to participate. Uh, they're mandated, as would be the first division clubs. Now, the first division clubs, I guess think they can send their reserve teams uh, and and get away with that requirement. Now there are some teams that don't have uh, reserve teams. Uh, D.C. United, for example, the DC United's a very odd case, uh, which we' maybe we'll have to keep an eye on because they still have a minority investment in a USL club. Um, and do not have their own MLS reserve team as of yet. And my sources have told me DC United is willing to continue to pay a fine to MLS to not feel the reserve team and continue to loan their players, their development players, their academy players into USL uh, because they feel like those guys are getting competitive games in a way they wouldn't in a reserve league. Now, I don't know if this, how DC gets affected by this because, in, in fact, I think, In theory, D.C. would have to field their first team uh, in the Open Cup in spite of MLS withdrawing. Um, Yeah, we haven't heard from U.S. soccer yet. I I do not think they can go lightly into the night and accept this decision. I do think there are a lot of cards to play. There are a lot of double standards where MLS has gotten away with things from CONCACAF and U.S. soccer uh, in, in a way that USL now and in the past NASL have not gotten away with. So there are potential governance cards to play. I don't want to get too deep into that. Uh, If you guys are interested in that, I mentioned a bunch of them on my Twitter feed, uh, KKFLA737. I know uh, others like Mike Pendleton, uh, Derek Reese, our our colleague here at World Soccer Talk, and uh, Chris Kessel, uh, who who I think for me is the the greatest advocate of independent soccer in this country. Uh, They've also mentioned similar things on Twitter, so I would check that out if you're interested in in kind of the gory details. U.S. soccer has cards they can play is the point, which you'll find in – in, in those people's tweets and in my tweets as well whether they do or not chris it's it's uh, almost noon now on monday and we haven't heard anything i have to take this on faith that they're consulting with their attorneys they're consulting with their board and they're formulating a response that being quick and being fast and putting something out immediately doesn't always get the job done i know a lot of fans are anxious and there are people privately saying oh well i guess u.s soccer is just going to accept this decision I'm putting on faith that they're not, and they're going to have a punch back that we're going to talk about in our next podcast, hopefully.
0: Yeah, and that goes back to what Paul says, where he says that MLS will control club soccer in less than 10 years. I think U.S. soccer has a lot of say in that, if they want it to happen or if they want to kind of just continue concentrating more so on the uh, the women's national team and the men's national team. 757FC says USL adopting ProRel would definitely cement them as the soccer fan's soccer league. But I don't see them challenging MLS for the throne, MLS's USSF in their pocket. So unless there's a huge shakeup of leadership and they get away away from the good old boy system, nothing changes. Chris Guardino says, as someone who follows the NBA and NHL, in addition to soccer, what MLS is attempting to do uh, to USL in terms of consolidating the soccer pyramid and basically eliminating them is exactly what the NBA and NHL uh, did to the ABA and the WHA in the 1970s and the NFL to the AFL before that. Those leagues saw the success the rival league was having and did everything in their power to try and eliminate that league. In the NFL's case, it forced a merger. What MLS is attempting would never work anywhere else in the world, as it would be shut down right away by the soccer authorities, because they know it would basically uh, end the pyramid structure in their respective countries. John, yeah. So, go ahead. so
1: w- one thing real quickly, uh, Daniel Forestine, our, our colleague, has written now twice at Beyond the Ninety about, uh, and he's an American sports fan, so he's in a position to compare these things about those mergers and about how, um, MLS doesn't seem to get that this is a different sport which has governing structures that are globally shared and that basically there's a global framework and the U.S. Soccer Federation is empowered by that global framework. So MLS cannot go around uh, acting like the NFL and NBA and, and NHL have done with with uh, in a predatory manner with uh, those leagues in the past. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But that again comes back, Chris, to U.S. Soccer actually holding the line and enforcing those rules and those statutes. So uh, a great point by, by Chris uh, here. So continue. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, the reality is Kartik, Major League Soccer thinks that they own the game in the United States. They think that they have more power than U.S. soccer. They have the right to go ahead and do whatever they want to do uh, and then inform U.S. soccer at the, uh, the last minute, I mean, in terms of uh, spreading the news or breaking the news that this is what they're going to do. Uh, they feel that they're in a place of power. And I think a lot of it, again, is is with the Apple deal and having Messi on board. They feel now that they have I mean, all of the focus is on is on them and that they can go ahead and do whatever they could they want to do, essentially, because um, because because they see U.S. Soccer Federation as weak, as potentially spineless as far as making any any decisions or, or trying to actually really govern the game. Um, the next few weeks to the next couple of months are going to be fascinating to watch. John says, uh, Long-time listener that loves your podcast and all things soccer. Your past two shows have really been great and really bring to the forefront the struggles that soccer has in America for growth. My gut tells me that soccer is, is stagnating in the U.S. and possibly shrinking. Major League Soccer has been around uh, just uh, just short of 30 years. Um, while well, American baseball, football, and basketball have been here for over 100 years. Many, many decades, uh, these three main sports were free to listeners and viewers on TV, which allowed them to grow and attract even casual uh, fans. However, these sports are now, even now, beginning to go more and more behind a paywall. Uh, but at least they have a, they have decades of casual fans. However, soccer in the, in the U.S. Uh, hasn't had time to attract casual fans, as MLS signed the ridiculous deal with Apple TV uh, placing up to 85% of the games behind not one paywall, but two. The casual fan is basically lost in the env- in this environment now. Take the recent game in the MLS playoffs, uh, Columbus Crew versus my team, FC Cincinnati. This was uh, a made-for-linear TV event and could have attracted even casual fans with a great in-state soccer uh, ri- rivalry. Uh, vying for the mls championship game i'm confident that if this game uh, would have been on linear television even that linear tv even if that linear tv was fs1 or espn it would have had huge viewership numbers but due to the apple tv mls debacle only uh, apple tv paywall uh, buyers could see the game i was at the game and the atmosphere was incredible since nearly all of soccer uh, i.e uh, the Premier League, MLS, Serie A, Bundesliga, etc. is now going behind paywalls. Soccer is going to have a tough time growing in the US, which goes right along with the past two podcasts. If soccer isn't on TV, does it make a sound? And if so- is soccer growing or shrinking in, in the USA? Maybe soccer doesn't care if enough people are paying for multiple channels, networks. Then maybe the, uh, these leagues get enough revenue and don't need the casual fan. However, I disagree with this philosophy. My gut tells me that millennials and Gen Zs are beginning to cut way back on paying for sports and entertainment networks. And I'm Gen X and I'm a season ticket holder to Cincinnati. And even I won't pay for Apple TV, MLS, let alone the other leagues. Yeah, Karthik, it it makes me think and go back to what you said just uh, maybe about 10 minutes ago about. You mean maybe? I mean, because many of the owners of MLS teams are NFL owners. You mean, and that's really where they make most of the money. Is maybe they want to keep soccer down and and not make make it as popular? I mean, we we saw even with the uh, the board of governors meeting uh, this past week in terms of uh, there was talk about maybe possibly a fourth DP put, putting more money back into uh, these teams, be able to to kind of expand. Uh, the salary caps by a major, a major uh, number. Uh, however, the response was a very conservative response. Most MLS fans seem to be pretty upset by how conservative the league seems to be going, where it's more let's go for incremental growth rather than actually big jumps up, which are going to bring in and hopefully grow the game in this country.
1: Yeah, I, I, I. I uh... I have some sympathy for MLS on on that. Uh, I know uh, the podcast listeners may not agree, and I and I actually defended them on Twitter. It's funny because there are all these people now who say, out uh, in the wake of this U.S. Open Cup news, I just like to pile on any uh, thing negative MLS does, and I actually defended them on this because, let's face it, the Apple deal does not produce the level of commercial revenues from media rights that you see in other leagues anywhere near it. It's still, I mean, it's a great deal relative to MLS's previous deals dollar-wise, but it's still not nearly enough to justify uh, exploding the salary cap. Uh, This having been said, all of these designations, TAM, GAM, all of that stuff, all of the funky roster rules, those need to go away immediately. So um, I was kind of of two minds on it, but I do, I did defend MLS on not raising the salary cap because I just don't think they're getting enough money. They don't have enough revenue. Which is maybe also explains the Open Cup situation. They, they feel like they have to increase their commercial revenues. And, and uh, let's face it, uh, in spite of the public rhetoric and what Don Garber has said and what Eddie Q has said, we know probably privately, based on our own reporting and our own instincts, Chris, that Apple and, and, and uh, MLS have probably had a much more frank conversation about the numbers not being where they need to be in terms of uh, subscribers and signups to Apple to MLS season pass. And that then dictates everything else that goes yeah. on in the league.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either that they've had those frank discussions and MLS was like, hey, what are we going to do? All right, let's uh, basically drop everything that's not important and then focus on really what we need to do, which is really, I mean, that that's at the end of the day, that's really what they're focused on, right, is uh, subscriptions to MLS season pass that's their gateway to um, hitting that minimum guarantee and then getting 50 cents on every dollar in terms of uh, subscriptions from there, uh, I mean, as well as cashing in on Messi and everything else. Yep. All right, listeners, uh, thank you for sticking with us on this show. Lots of great stuff to, that we went through, but we do want to hear from you. We want to hear from you either through email, which is web at worldsoccertalk.com, on the website, worldsoccertalk.com, click on podcasts, and leave your comments in the most recent uh, episode there. You got uh, you've got youtube.com slash worldsoccertalk. You've got facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. Twitter is at Talk, And then the voicemail, which is 561-247-4625. Karthik, uh, where can they find you on uh, Beyond the 19 in, in social media? <laughs>
1: Yeah, beyondthe90.substack.com, uh, lots of U.S. Open Cup talk and and, and what motivated this uh, uh, this decision by MLS, in addition to concluding our series on, on the women's soccer wars, looming between the USL Super League and the NWSL, another uh, almost a proxy war, right? Because uh, NWSL we would kind of equate to MLS and they have ties to MLS. And then of course, uh, super league is, is, is a USL owned league. So uh, that, in addition to uh, all the U S open cup talk at beyond the 90, and you can find me on Twitter at KKFLA or X, excuse me, at KKFLA 737. All right, guys,
0: enjoy your football.